Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I was in two minds. God's changed what I was going to talk about. <laughs> if I were going to talk about what I thought I wanted to talk about, we'd probably be here for about an hour and a half. <laughs> if I keep getting a little verse in my mind, he called him out of Egypt called his son out of Egypt. When we look, we've looked before um, at Ezekiel, when he had that vision and he saw a seraphim and the angels in heaven, which declare the glory of God. And they have those four faces. And we've seen before how those four faces can be linked to the four Gospels. They, They picture four different aspects of Jesus and his life. Matthew as the face of the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Luke as the face of the man, the man um, in Luke who, who was there as a physician to heal people. We see Mark as the face of the ox or the calf who was the worker the servant, and we see the face of the eagle as the face, is the picture of John, as John Gospel, where he flies in heaven, he's always, it's all up, it's heavenly things, isn't it wonderful? And so we get a four different Gospels, that's why we get four different Gospels, and they are towards different people, and the Gospel of Matthew was aimed at the Jews. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we find that there's a little phrase which appears eight different times, that it might be fulfilled. And that's the reason it's there, because he's trying to tell them who that man is who was on that cross. Who that man was on the cross. It was the lion of the tribe of Judah on that cross. It was a man of God. It was God's own son on that cross. He wanted them to see it was their Messiah. It was written to the Jews so they could see who the lion of the tribe of Judah was. If you look into um, uh, numerology, the the Christian numerology, not the occult one, you find that when you, you look at the names of people, and add up the letters of their names. The names in the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, later on, were given, not when, they were, not, not when the Bible was written, but later on, were given numbers. So Alpha, Beta, Gamma would be one, two, three in the Greek. And in the same in the Hebrew. And they gave the numbers. And you can go and have a look. Fascinating study. And you know that seven is the number of perfection, the perfected work of God. He rested on the seventh day. It's the perfected word of God. But the number eight is beyond perfection. Absolute perfection. And Jesus is... The, when you do the names of Jesus, the devil, maybe, he's less than perfection. His number comes out at six, 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 when you add the numbers of his letters together in the numerology. 
But Jesus comes out at 888. Beyond perfection. Perfectly perfect. And so it says why we have eight times in, that, in Matthew, it says this little phrase. So we're going to look at it because we're coming up to Christmas. <laughs> I know it's a little way away. <laughs> but we're coming up to Christmas. And the first one is in Matthew 1. So we don't really know where we're going to end up this morning. But we'll see. Matthew 1. And these are very familiar verses to us because we read them um, Shall we start at verse 18? Now, you hear this every year at your carol service. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. This is Matthew 1.18. When his mother Mary was espoused or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she found a child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. What a wonderful first promise to be fulfilled. God with us. And the word, you know that the word Jesus, the name Jesus, means saviour. Because he came to save his people. And that's what he came to do. That's from the very moment Adam fell, he was there to save. He'd already, we've been looking in Hebrews and we saw that they'd all look forward. They had a revelation of him coming to save. And they put their faith in the one coming to save, even though they might not have understood it all. And it was counted unto them for righteousness. Because they looked to him who was coming to save. And these simple things of the gospel are so important that we understand that he came to save. I was reading a book and it said, we don't want, he he was telling about the problems that seeker-friendly churches, we don't talk about the blood of Jesus and don't really talk about these things, just say, well, God loves you and that's about as far as they get. But he said, no, he came to seek and to save he came to seek and to save. It's, we have a seeker friendly in God's, from God's point of view that we seek what he wants and he does the saving. Wow, he's a seeker. He came to seek and to save that was lost. And that's what he came for. He came to save. And this is a miraculous thing. If we could live in that revelation of the salvation which God has bought for us, we'd be walking out like on water all day. Because it is so wonderful. Sometimes we want our ears tickled by a new truth. But the reality of the, the old gospel truths are so incredible. They're so beyond our understanding sometimes that we sometimes miss the glory of what God has done in our lives. He came 
that God might live in us. Emmanuel, God with us. Incredible that God will want to dwell in us. The wonderful truth of God with us this morning. Wow. He's here. The reality of God is here this morning. Whatever you need, he's here. He's a God who came to save you from your sin. From the very thing, that's the problem. You see, if we think that the problem is our emotional hurt, or this or that, all the other things that happen, then we miss it. Because the problem is sin, which he came to deal with. That's the root of every problem. Hallelujah. And he came to heal. You sang on there, he came to heal. He came to heal us. He also, if we go on, in chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, well, we, 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 uh, we talk about, we go from 11, shall we? This is when the kings, the, the, the kings came, in uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 2. And when they were, came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that he should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. So God was there all the time protecting his son, because they didn't want Herod to know where he was. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take your young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Hallelujah. Out of Egypt. Egypt speaks to the world and all the things of the world. And all the depression, <laughs> all the machinations, all the things that go on in the government, in commerce, in the world, all of it, all of it speaks about Egypt. Those unregenerate people we're surrounded by, he has called us out of it. He's called us out of it. He's called us out of it. Now you might say, oh, I don't feel like I'm out. I, I feel like I'm still sort of struggling with it. You need to get a vision that he's called you out. When he, when he lay, laid his life down on the cross, your old life went down there with him and was buried in that thing. And you today can live in that, what he has already done. He said it was finished completely, utterly and totally on that cross. The work was done. Finished. He finished it. And it was what he started it will all will carry on through into eternity. Our lives are in eternity already. It's such a wonderful thing to understand what he's done. He's called us out of all the things that the world has. So we don't have we don't have to have the things of the world in our lives. The fears don't have to have them. doesn't have to have the fear. He's called us out of fear. A worry. 
I said to the Lord, I've learned it, I'm slowly learning. I said to the Lord, I've got work right up to Christmas, but all the, all the quotes that I've done for work after Christmas, no one's come back. Nothing's happened, Lord. Because, <laughs> you know, and you think, and then within a couple of days, I'd already had half a, two or three phone calls again for people to come and say, oh, we want to, we, when you finish this bit, can you come back after Christmas and give us a quote for this room? You see, we don't need to worry because Jesus said, that's what the world seeks after. Don't worry. I know you need all these things. He said, you need these things. I know that because he lived here. He knew what you need. And he said, don't worry. I'll look after you. Because he's called us out of needing. You see, when they came out of Egypt, even though they were living in the wilderness, which is where we are, we're sojourning, we're in the wilderness, their clothes didn't wear out. The shoes didn't wear out. God fed them. He watered them. He looked after them. They were all healthy. You see? We dwell in a wilderness in plenty. When Abraham was, was down, he was going to go to Egypt at one point to, uh, because there wasn't much food. And God said, no, don't. Don't go down there. And he planted his fields. And he had plenty. He had loads of sheep. You think, well, hang on, it's in a famine and a drought. God looked after him. You read it. <laughs> God does it. You see? Because he gives us plenty when there isn't plenty. He looks after us. Because he's a good God. You see? Because he's called us out of all that. All that way of thinking. You see? When, when things go wrong in our lives and somebody slights us, what he says is you should love them. Because you're not like them anymore. Leave it. Else you end up having it going round and round and round in your mind at what's happened to you. And say, no, no, no. I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to think like that. We have to change our thinking to think like Jesus thinks. He, he, only, he only ever thought what Father thought, didn't he? See, we're being called out into a new life. 1 Corinthians, it says, you're a new creation. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. That is an incredible thing. He has called everyone here out of Egypt. Because if you're born again from God, then you are out of Egypt. Because you live in Christ, you're in him, Christ Jesus. Your life is hidden in Christ Jesus, in God. He's called you out. And it doesn't mean to say you're not going to have problems. They had problems in Egypt, in, in, in the wilderness. didn't say they didn't have problems. But they had a God who would look after them. And he called them out of all that stuff, all the attitudes of Egypt. And even when they tried to come after him, he, that was it. Finished him off. He did it. He cut them off. Cut them off. And it was a picture of what happened to Christ on the cross. Because he, when they called him out on the Passover, he came and dealt with them. The firstborn were killed. And he's a wonderful God. He brings us out of that into something new. And we can experience some of the things about in Canaan's land. Though we may not have gone over Jordan, which sometimes is a picture of death going over again into the new life, into heaven, they experienced and ate of the fruit of, of, of the new land while they were still here. And we can do that too. We can do that too, can't we? Wow, is he a wonderful God this morning who brings us out of Egypt? I'm out of Egypt. Gone are my sorrows. 
all is wonderful. That's why I love singing those little choruses. Some of the choruses are trying to get us out of Egypt and thinking, well, I'm still in Egypt and I'm going to talk about the problems I've got in Egypt. No, 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 no. God has brought me out. He's brought me out into a wide place, into a big place, a place where he comes and feeds us and looks after us, right in the middle of the desert. And this world for us is a desert. There's a song which says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. <laughs> this isn't my home, as Luke was saying. This is not our home last week. We don't look to build a home and a place down here. We look to build a home and a place where we're going. You see? They, when they called them out, he said, I called them out to take them in. <laughs> But they were still looking at the back. And it's, it's someone has said, and it's a very true, it took four, a, a, one day, a few days, to get them out of Egypt. Four days, but 40 years to get Egypt out of the people. <laughs> because that's what people are like. But God deals with us graciously, doesn't he? And he brings us out of all that of Egypt this morning. If we go on a little further now to two... 23. When they came back, um, in verse 21, oh, I know, in verse 19, when Herod was dead, 2.19, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Hallelujah. Arise, take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. There's someone who wants to take your life. But I tell you what, Jesus has triumphed over him this morning. He's triumphed over him. Your Herod is dead. The Herod is dead. Your Herod is dead this morning. And he calls you out of Egypt to live in the promised land. Back into Israel. Hallelujah. (laughs) So they arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And when they heard that Arachalus, whoever his name is, did reign in Judah, the the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go with her. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So he didn't go back to to Bethlehem, where he was born, and where they should have gone, because that's where he was born, and that's where where they had to go back for the census, do you remember? He said, He came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that he might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the prophets, he should be called a Nazarene. There's a song, isn't there, about the Nazarene? Wonderful hip little song. I can't remember it now. But if we look, I fell in love with the Nazarene. I fell in love with him. You see. Let's, let's look in um, Joshua, where that Judges, sorry, Judges 13, so I'm, I'm on my wrong, changed to. Uh, Judges 13, where this comes from. I think, I think it's Judges 13. Where did I have got it? Judges 13. 
Judges 13, chapter 13. And verse, uh, well, we start at the beginning. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. So here we have again another little picture of the 40 years, as always, a picture of sort of um, where God deals with people. He dealt with the people of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Here they're in, they're in there for 40 years in the wilderness again in, under the Philistines. And there was a certain man of Zohar, the family of the Danites, whose name was Noah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. He shall bring to deliver, begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And that was going to be Samson. We can read the whole story there. It's quite a lovely story. Uh, and uh, Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O oh, my Lord, let the man of God which is now descend come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that was born that shall be born. So she, the, the, the angel had appeared, and then she says, hang on, I'm not quite sure what he said. Have you ever had that? You've, somebody gives you instructions, and you think, you think, I should have written that down, shouldn't I? <laughs> so then she forgot and says, Lord, come and tell me again, please. And no more. And, um, uh, and God hearkened unto the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and rang and showed her husband. And he said unto her, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me and hath come unto me as the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that speakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let the words show... The words come to pass. Now, how shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of the, that thing that comes from the vine, nor that she drink wine or strong drink, nor on any unclean thing. All that I command her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of the bread. If thou wilt offer a burnt offering, they must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. So he wasn't the Lord. He was an angel from God. And Manoah said to the angel Lord, What is thy name? When thou sayest, saying, Come to pass, we may do thee honour. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus my name, seeing it is a secret, or it is wonderful? That's another translation. And if it came to pass, when the flame went up on towards the heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. 
And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, because you have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have shown us all these things, nor would at such this time have told us such things as these. See, they, they, they really, it was only the priest's job to offer, offer really. They shouldn't really have been doing it. But God accepted it. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in a camp of Dan between Zohar and Eshtetol. So God began to move by his spirit in that man's life. And that was what happened with Jesus. When he was young, remember? He went into the temple. And he said, I must do what my father tells me to do. The spirit of God was on his life. And when, when he was, after he was baptised and being out in, in the wilderness, he came back. His interest in the wilderness comes in again. And then he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the wounds. Wonderful verses. Wonderful verses from Isaiah there. You see, in verse 5, it says, He shall begin to deliver Israel out. And this is what's happening. When Jesus came, he was a Nazarite. He was separated unto God for God's work. And he, he said, he shall begin, he was the beginning of the deliverance. But we shall have a complete deliverance. Because when Jesus died on that cross... We have a complete deliverance. And as the Spirit of the Lord moved on, on Jesus and moved through Jesus, it says, without measure. So, as we consecrate ourselves to Him, the Spirit of God will move on us and cause, cause those things to happen so that we may bring, start beginning to bring people into the place of salvation which God wants. You see, it's all about salvation. It's all about bringing people in. They were in bondage. And there are people out there who are in bondage. He's called us out to go in, but he's also called us out to call others to come out. Call others to come out. Hallelujah. Isn't he a wonderful God? He's a wonderful God. He's a wonderful God who separated himself apart so that we may have life and life more abundantly this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that what you began, you will continue to do until you bring us into full salvation when we get into heaven. He's begun a good work in us. He who has begun a good work in us will continue it and bring us into the salvation in Jesus Christ. He's begun a good work in us. He separated us to himself as Nazarites. You are Nazarites, whether you like it or not, because you've been separated unto God for God's holy purpose this morning. So, he's come to save us, which he's done. He's taken us out of Egypt, which he's done, and brought us near and, and experiencing some of the promised land. And he's bought us as place of Nazarites 
before God to do his will and to show the glory of God. The glory of God. Because when look at Samson. And even though, this is something I saw when we were down in um, Bournemouth last year, Samson made a mess of it. He made a right mess of it, didn't he? <coughs> we got caught up with Delia. Delilah, I mean, not Delia, Delilah. <laughs> and he made a mess of it. But what God showed me was, even though he made a mess of it, the promise of God was still sure because his hair carried on growing. The hair of Samson carried on growing. Because he's called you as a Nazarite, even if you make mistakes, Abraham made lots of mistakes. Isaac made lots, not so many mistakes. Jacob, I'm not even going anywhere near Jacob this morning. You see? But if the hand of God is on your life, like it was on Samson, and he made mistakes and he ended up pushing, doing a donkey's work, grinding corn, God, and had his eyes cut out, God's promise was still sure. And as his hair grew, he got his strength back. You see? If you keep, he he must have come to a place of real repentance there in what he'd been up to. But I tell you what, because he was a Nazarite and his mother had called him and separated him to, to, to God, that was his life. You see, he had his strength came back, even though he made lots of mistakes. It was still growing, and the promise of God was still sure because he was separated unto God. Isn't it a wonderful picture of why we make mistakes? It doesn't matter. It does matter. It has, but see, you sin. There's no, there's no big and little sins. It's just big and little consequences. There's no big and little sins. So when we think of a big and a little sin, God doesn't look at it as big and a little sin. It's just the problem is the consequences we see. But sin is sin. But he covered our sin. You see, he's called us. He's called us the Nazarites. You are a Nazarite. Now you might not have long hair, all right? Some might have no hair. But it doesn't matter in the natural. In, in heavenly, you have a, a hair growing. And when that grows, you become strong because God has called you a, Naz- a Nazarite with Christ. Because we're Christ on this earth. And it's wonderful. Our God who came to set us free and helped us to set other people free. Because that was his servant. He came, he began the setting of free. Now that was only a partial thing, but with Jesus it was a complete thing. So, this is a wonderful thing. As we go towards Christmas again, you can go and read those verses and you can go and find all the other eight and look at them. The next one is in, it talks about him taking our infirmities and our sicknesses. Then he says the next one is about, about it coming to the Gentiles. And you can go on. They're all quite interesting and they talk, they're showing a picture of, who Je- of Jesus to the Jews, of their Messiah, their real Messiah, the real lion of the tribe of Judah, who lives in you and lives in me to do his work. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah who lives in us to do his will and to accomplish his purpose, which he will do in our lives.
Amen. Amen.